Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Happy Tuesday. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Terbasi. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see we have a special guest with us in studio. It is Chicago Steel head coach and Notre Dame hockey legend, Brock Sheehan. Brock, how's it going? Thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Our live studio audience approves of uh, <laughs> of the guest of the day, and and you know it's it's getting to be draft time, and it's getting to be you know that's where our minds are going. And for those that don't know, the Chicago Steel uh, play in the USHL. Um, it's a tier one junior program, the only one in the United States. And a couple years ago, I went out and dropped the puck at a Steel game uh, when I was with the score, and didn't really know what to expect. My God, it's great hockey. It is so fun to watch. In last year's draft, nine USHL hockey players were drafted uh, in the NHL draft. So it's great hockey right in our backyard. Brock, tell us about the Chicago Steel. Tell us about the USHL. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the number was a little bit higher than that because we had seven uh, oh, wow. players go in the in the in the USHL. Was USA. it nine in the first round? Seven, seven off our round. roster. Nine right, in the first, first round. Did I not say first round? Yeah, that makes no, sense. Yeah, right, nine right. in the first I'm round. Uh, we had three. We had we had three in the first round. Two off our roster, and then uh, Owen Power was the number one overall pick. He had played two years for yep. us and played at Michigan. But yeah, to your point, it's high high level hockey. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people don't know <laughs> that it's it's right in our backyard here. Um, but yeah, we're very fortunate to have elite players. Uh, every year and the league has gotten better and better and better and continues to move on high level players to college and then to the NHL. Well, for fans who might not know too familiar with the USHL, what, what type of players are you guys yeah. getting there? The age group where you're getting them from? I know they come from all over the world, literally to play uh, in the league and here at the steel. So what, what kind of info can you give us on that? Yeah, I think hockey's a different path, right? Um, you know, most, most other sports, you're going from high school right to college, right? Um, junior hockey is kind of in between that. So we'll have players from 15 to 20, for the most part 16, for our team, for the most part 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Um, we're, we're one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the league every year. And we have players from all over the world, like you said. Um, we've had players from Slovakia, Czech Republic, uh, Sweden, Finland, and then all over North America. So we have players... Uh, yeah, a lot of Canadians, and then we'll have players from California to New York. So uh, there's a lot of sacrifices that these young players make to chase their dreams. 
um, and we're fortunate to have uh, a lot of good kids in our program. Yeah, I know a lot of ki- a lot of kids go from the USHL to college. That's kind of like the the path. A lot of and you guys have had a lot of success. Mainly, like you guys have seen to be the feeder team for either Harvard or Michigan. What, what's going on? Like those are the two schools yeah. that your your best players seem. Yeah, to I think go we had to. six players on Harvard last year, and we had th- three first round picks on Michigan last year. Um, Man, are they sending you guys a little good. cut of anything? There? <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, not not in NCAA. Uh, but no, I think it just has to do with the type of players we get. Honestly, our, our style of play fits those programs, um, and then we the type of kids that we're getting, the, the actual people with those programs very well. So some of the kids um, with before some of the NCAA rule changes were committed before we got them um, or when we drafted them when they were, you know, 15 years old. Um, but th- since then, it's just it's just been a fit with the programs. It's, it's been something that uh, has to do, I think, with the style of play and, like I said, the type of kids that we get. Well, I know the Blackhawks and our our – you know, going through a rebuild, and, and this, this year's draft is, is important for them. Um, they have a couple players that have, you know, come from the Chicago Steel, and, and, and uh, one in particular is uh, Josiah Slavin that I know that you've had some experience with. You know, he's, he's a young guy that, you know, is, is kind of coming up into the system. Um, for, for a team like the Blackhawks, where they're at, and a player like Slavin, like where do you, where do you see him as, as his career has, you know, progressed being going from the steel to you know college to now becoming pro, like what kind of what kind of player is he and, and what kind of you know person is he? How's he fit into the into the team? First off, he's an amazing person. I would say one of the most quality people we've had in our organization um, in the four years going on year five now. He's just a special person. Uh, we actually traded for him, um, and he just upgraded our locker room right away. Uh, he helped lead us to a Clark Cup final. We ended up losing to Sioux Falls. He was a, if we don't trade for him, we, we don't get there. Um, and to me, he's someone – I actually skated with him last summer. Um, he's exactly progressing the way that we thought we would once we had spent time with him. He's, he's a high-energy player. He has a high level of skill set. He's not the greatest skater, but his motor and his compete level are elite. Um, and he's the type of guy that's going to add depth throughout an organization. And, you know, I see him – more in that bottom six role for, for the Hawks, which is what we thought he, we, he would get to. Um, and I think just having a player like that in your organization is going to help. What's the relationship like between the Steel and the Blackhawks being so close together? I know it's not necessarily like <laughs> like a minor, a minor league program, but I got to imagine, you know, their scouting department is, is if they're smart, they're, they're talking to you guys a lot. About yeah, yeah. I think most NHL teams – I think I've talked to every NHL team uh, leading up to the draft. I know Mike Garman, our GM, he's talked to every team multiple times, whether it's their assistant GM, GM, or scouts, the area scouts. Um, We've had a few players drafted, and I feel like it's easier for them to get into the building. I know that uh, in past years, like high-level management has has spent time in our rink with the players that we've had there. Um, I think a lot of times it depends on where the draft picks line up, like who's, who's available and where our players fall in the draft and, and depending on the amount of picks. But I think this – I haven't looked at the the Chicago, like, draft board, but I think we have a couple guys that – you know, like a Nick Moldenauer who could be, yeah. uh, like, a second round. I, I think he's got first-round talent, but he's <laughs> been – he's probably going to go somewhere in the second-round, third-round area, and um, I know it's someone that is definitely on their radar. The Blackhawks have five picks in the second and third round, so yeah. they, yeah, they, get, have, they got a shot at them. I'm yeah, sure. I'd say there's – we have, like, three players that would fit that. That, that mold, depending on what an organization is looking for with 
with Nick Moldenauer, Zamplant, and uh, Jake Livinovich. So I remember uh, the first time I saw the Steel logo was on center ice at the edge in Bensonville when we would go uh, report on Hawks practices when they were there. And something changed, right? 2015, Larry Robbins buys the team, uh, moves you from Bensonville to Geneva, and all of a sudden the Steel just start to just blast off from there. What was the key change there? Like, what what what, what has sort of made the seal make that next step from, you know, sort of a fringe thing to a really successful, blooming, and super respected program? Yeah, we have the resources to get the right people in place. You know, we don't play in the best rink in the USHL, not by far. Like, we love Fox Valley; it's our home. Um, our like the like the guts of the of the facility, our area is high level as far as it goes for junior. Um, the the just the way the kids are taken care of, the ability to train with the weight room. We have a really good weight room that's getting upgraded. Um, our relationship with GVN, who's based out of Chicago, they train a lot of uh, high-end NHLers. They, they're connected with the U.S. national development team. But I think the most important piece is Larry Robbins, as an owner, is aligned in our goals as an organization. Development of the individual is what we're here to do. You know, junior, that's what junior hockey is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to, it, a lot of times what happens is winning gets in the way of developing players, honestly, at that age. And, and our main focus is to develop the individual. And if you don't have the support of ownership, management, as a coach, you can't do that. So I think our first season, actually, Greg Moore is our head coach. Uh, Ryan Hardy, who's now with the, they're both in the Maple Leafs organization. Ryan Hardy was a GM. We started two and eight. And in a USHL season, like if you look at the last couple of years, you start two and eight, that's, it's, we're not talking about a couple of weeks here. We're talking, you know, at the start of the year, you're usually playing two game weekends throughout the year. There might be a one game weekend and early in the season, there might be an off weekend. You're talking almost two months. And that's when a lot of times moves are made. People lose their jobs. Not, not in this case, because, you know, Larry, um, in connection with Ryan and our, and our hockey staff, could see that our process was what we wanted to do. The players were getting better. The results weren't there. And it's easier said than done. It's mm-hmm. tough. You think about the Hawks or how, you know, at, at the NHL level, results is everything. For us, we don't really talk about winning. It's been a result of what we do as a program. And I feel like the most important piece is that our players, when they leave the steel, they're much better for it. They have lasting habits. And, you know, you get to see them like an Owen Power I watch him play <clears throat> his first couple games, and I'm like, man, those are things he learned with us. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty cool. You know? Well, sort of on the on the same track, you know, you guys are. It's hard enough for NHL GMs to draft junior players, mm-hmm. but for when you're drafting kids that are kids, yeah, they're kids, fourteen, fifteen. <laughs> how do you project not only growth in hockey but physical growth? You yeah. know, like how do you know is like is this kid who's you know five foot six, 140 pounds, is he going to grow? How, when you're when you're evaluating that part of a prospect, it's always fascinated me. What are some of the things you can? What are some of the tools you can use yeah. to kind of project those things? Yeah, I feel like the way we build our team, um, I think other teams in our league are trying to do it. We focus a lot on the the phase one draft, which is the youngest draft, so that's first year draft eligible players. Um, so there's going to be players in there that are 120 pounds. Yeah. They might not play for you for a couple of years. Um, that are five, six, five, four. And you do the research, like <laughs> you get to know their parents. You know, <laughs> we, we drafted this kid, uh, Junior Podine. His dad, Sean Podine, played in the NHL. Like he's not small, and 
I think Junior is like really like five four right now and 126 pounds, but he's gonna grow. Yeah. You know, and whether he grows to be five nine, five ten, six foot one, um, his hockey sense, his compete level, like the things that we value in our in our players, his skill set, those three things are extremely high level. So at some point he'll play for us. It's just a matter of when. Josh Doan is probably the best example. Shane Doan's son went the second round, um, last draft. He got passed over in his first draft. Um, if you look at him when he was drafted by the steel, by, by, by Ryan Hardy, I think he was like 140 pounds, maybe 5'8", and he's still growing. In, you know, he's almost 6'2". Yeah. He's going to play in the NHL over 200 pounds. And for us, he literally grew while he was on our roster. <laughs> you know? So I think that's, that's, how, that's how we do it. Um, it's an inexact science. But we're looking for the right kids, number one, and then they have those three attributes, and hopefully that's how you fit to be a steel player. Bloodlines help too. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have a Doan and a Podine. <laughs> that you're doesn't pretty hurt. much guaranteed. Yeah, uh, that doesn't hurt. There's uh, kind of piggyback off of that one. I spent two seasons scouting in the uh, North American League, which was same level but lower tier than yeah. USHL for those not familiar with it. Another junior league dealing with you know essentially teenagers. Mm-hmm. So I know, just working there, that general manager, head coach, you wear a lot of different hats during mm-hmm. the course of a season. You're not just going behind the bench and coaching. Yeah. There's a hundred different things per day yeah. you've got. So what other kind of things, besides making sure your team is prepared and winning hockey games, no pressure, but what are kind of the other <laughs> yeah, things yeah. behind the scenes that in a daily life of, of running a junior team? Yeah, for, for us, we're trying to do things at the highest level. So it's like, it's their schedule, it's... We had like 17 players in high school. Like that's not that's not normal for a USHL program. You might have five. So making sure they're they're on top of their education, that that the schedule's set up properly, that they're they're doing study hall correctly, that they're on top of their school, that they're eligible, not only eligible to go to a school, but you're talking about kids going to Harvard, Michigan. I mean, we're not talking about lo- like just any school here. You, there are academics. Uh, they need to be done at the highest level. Um, and then the travel, the making sure we're, we tender, try to, t- so that's another thing, forget about drafting. We usually try to tender one or two players. So this year we tendered two oh sixes. So making sure that we get the right player, the highest level player possible that fits, fits our style of play. So we're having kids come in on visits, making sure they fit our, our culture, um, community service. You know, there's a lot of that. And then just making sure that our players are getting what they're, what they signed up for, what we promise, you know, not everybody gets to play on our roster. So we'll have guys in development roles, guys that'll play 40 games for us instead of 60. And they making sure that they're actually getting better that way. It's better for them with where they are as a 16 year old. So that in the next season they can step up and, and, and take the reins. And that's how we've been able to build a, a sustainable model, but it's a lot of work. It's not just showing up to the rink <laughs> at, uh, I don't know, one o'clock going out for practice. Like we're there from seven thirty to six and, our staff and doing everything we can to help the player the ushl uh the steel have been one of the the premier programs over the last couple of years two clark cups in in the last handful of years when you look at the the league and and how the steel stack up against uh, against the league and and you see that you know that the talent there when you i i i pull it back to the the u.s development program how Mm. they have you know their own team within the ushl What is that like playing against some of these these you know U.S. players in, in that program where that 
too is also like a big feeder into the draft. Do you look do you look at that as like one of the biggest like kind of measuring sticks where you look at from talent a, a yeah. talent standpoint? Yeah, like we have we'll have players, you know, like a Ryan Ufko who went I think in the fourth round in Nashville. Like he wanted to play at the national team. He doesn't make the national team, but he's a player that we thought fit us perfect. And our job with a player like that is to make him hopefully he feels he got better playing for us than even going there. Um, you know, we don't really, we, we don't necessarily take American players from going there. They do a great job. It, it is a measuring stick playing the U18s. Both teams play in the league. So they play as 17s. They play half the schedule. And then the 18s play the other half. And, and usually the 17s year is hard for those guys. <laughs> and then the eight, by the time they're the 18s, like they're, they should be one of the best teams in the league. Um, it's usually hard for them to make the playoffs because of that balance, right. depending on the year, unless they have an anomaly 17s team that can not only hang, but, but, but win. Um, but when you play the U18s, especially for us, um, we, we usually use that as like a measuring stick to see where we're at. And we usually have extremely competitive games. Um, you're talking about the highest end American players for the most part are playing there. Um, obviously, you know, you look at our roster, not this area, not this season, the, the, the past season, we had two American players going the first round. So the American hockey is in a great spot. There's a lot of good players. Um, and then the rest of the league is, is unbelievable. There's other programs. I think everybody's pushing each other to just do things at the highest level. Some teams build their team differently. I think when we beat Fargo in the finals, uh, not this season, the past season, their average age was over 19. Ours was under 18. You know, like that's a significant difference in the strength and speed of a player um, and the two teams built completely differently. So I want to talk about uh, your career. You played four years in Notre Dame, then you wanted to play, to play in the ECHL, DEL, uh, AHL. Mm-hmm. When did you decide you want to be a coach? Is that something you've known you wanted to do for a long time? Was that kind of your trajectory? Um, it was something I just, I love the game of hockey. I always, always have, um, I, especially at Notre Dame, I feel like Coach Jackson, um, Coach Pooley, uh, Coach Slager, those guys had a huge impact on my life. And I really think they helped mold who I am today as a person, as a father, as a husband. Um, and it wasn't like, oh, I'm done playing hockey. Like, I can't do anything else. It was, I'm, I think it's time to be done playing hockey. And I would love to impact um, young men and players the way they impacted me. And, and I just, I, I love going to the rink every day. And it wasn't something, I guess, when I was like playing junior hockey. To one contact like, lenses, make it for easy sure. for me to go into uh, even the most intense yeah, drum solo I, with I confidence. While at the my radar. Than <laughs> <laughs> some uh, no technical difficulties. No worries. Yeah, yeah. Damn, no, damn no autoplay videos. Autoplay videos. It's not, not that much of a career. We don't need to show that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, that's okay. Well, I don't know how much you've been paying attention, but uh, we don't think the Blackhawks are going to be all that competitive this year. <laughs> and um, what? there's a guy that you're quite familiar with that Hawks fans should probably have on their radar, and we're talking about Adam Fantilli, who yeah. uh, a lot of – Experts say he can, you, you hear the terms franchise altering talent. Uh, any other draft class probably would be the number one overall pick, yeah. but there's Connor Bedard, there's Mitch Kaufman. I mean, you got three amazing yeah. talents. Hypothetically, the Blackhawks are lucky enough to draft Adam Fantelli a year from now. What 
what would we be able to expect or why should Blackhawk fans want to make that pick? I, I've never seen, I remember the first time you stepped on the ice with us, I've never seen just someone with that in, innate physical talent right away. That was the, the first thing that stuck out. The way he shoots a puck, his explosiveness. Like, like when he crosses over, just like how, how explosive he is out of a cut-up. His ability to break down players one-on-one. And, and that was always, at, you know, the, 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 the buzz around Adam has always been his physical talent, physical talent, which is elite, elite, elite. I think the amazing thing and the reason he came to play for us is I think he added layers to his game. Whereas a lot of guys, when they're that physically gifted, they just rely on that the rest of their career and kind of see what happens. Not only is Adam, not only does he drive the play by himself, he's added the ability to make plays, be aware of where his teammates are. He's a complete player. Like in the finals for us two years ago, I was, he looked like a professional hockey player <laughs> at 16 years old. But not, not just like his physical talent, his work off the puck, his ability to move off the puck. I was amazed. Um, and I'm excited for him to go to play college hockey, which is more challenging than, stay, say, playing three years of junior hockey. Um, and he's going to be pro ready, ready to go after his draft year. And, yeah, I don't know. Is he, you know, Bedard's got a lot of hype. They played together on that U18 team. Adam actually had more points, but Bedard can score probably at a higher level. Um, he just drives the play. He drives the play, and he's a complete player off the puck as well. So whoever gets him, wherever he goes, I, I, I have a great relationship with Adam. And at, at our year-end meeting, our exit meeting, obviously we were disappointed getting upset in the second round. Um, I just think it doesn't matter if he goes one, two, three, four, five. Like wherever he goes, he's going to keep getting better. And that's the thing that we try to instill in our players. It doesn't matter where you get drafted. You have to keep getting better. Yeah. There's first-round draft picks that don't reach the level they should because they think it's done. Like, you're never done getting better. And, I, and the habits he's created uh, playing for us the last two years are going to help him achieve, I think, the sky's the limit for him. What you're describing to me reminds us of what we've sort of seen with Alex Dabrinkit. He came in as a guy who was small and could definitely score goals, yeah. but he's added that, you know, the rest of the game to mm -hmm. his game, and now he's a complete player and he's going to make a ton of money wherever it is, here or elsewhere. Is there, for Fantilli, is there an NHL comp you would make? Is there a player that you see playing now that reminds you of him? Uh, or? People have said McKinnon. Okay. That's, um, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, I know. Like, like, the physical tools, the pace. And that's the other thing. Like, people will say Adam is, he's, like, tapped. He's not tapped out physically. We know this because of we have a full-time strength coach that, again, like, we know that there's still room to grow for him physically. And, like, he's not, his frame isn't filled out. His pop looks like he's done, but he's like 187 pounds. You know, like he's not, he could play at 195, 200. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, that people have said that just with his skill set and the pace that he plays with. Yeah. Some of the highlights that were coming out after games this year uh, of him were, it's like that is a man among boys. That's mm -hmm. what it looked like. Yeah. And it just looks incredible. So with the 2022 draft, who are some of the guys coming out? Fantilli will be 2023. Who's going to be available uh, in next week's? Wow, next week's. Yeah, yeah, coming <laughs> up here. Kind of off fast. our roster next, like, to me, Nick Moldenauer, I think he's underrated. He had a, he was in the hospital with an undisclosed, we still don't know the illness, for like a month. Lost 10, 15 pounds at the start wow. of the year. Then he took a skate to the face. Ooh, um, it's a tough year. I, I, yeah, for, 
I a lot a lot of stitches, very dangerous, very scary. He had to have surgery for like three and a half hours. He ended up with forty three points in forty one games in his draft years. His first year, year in the or, uh, first year in the USHL. It's extremely difficult to do something like that. Uh, he reminds me of like a I don't know if you remember like Mike Richards, first round draft pick with yep. the Flyers in LA. Like he he reminds me of him. I, I think he slips in the draft. Maybe he goes second round. I, I think he's a late first round talent. Um, but he is, and he'll be back with us next year, actually. I think he's unbelievable. So a guy like him, like he'll go, Zamplant is just behind him in the rankings. He'll go mid-round somewhere. Um, Hunter McDonald, who's in his last year draft eligible, I guarantee you he gets drafted. Jake Livinovich will definitely go. He's one of the best defensemen in the league, committed to North Dakota, um, just an elite skater. So I, I, I would say we're all four guys go this year off our roster possibly five or six if a couple other guys go late. Um, we won't have the same as last year where we had eight steals, seven off our roster, but there's not many teams that have four guys go off to the roster. So right, I, yeah. I, I, it'll be pretty good. And then the following year, obviously, Fantilli will be at Michigan, but he played for us for two years. I think Jaden Perron is a f- first-round talent. Um, he's unbelievable from Winnipeg. Uh, the way he moves, he's like a Braden Point. Arzell type player like he is unbelievable I think he'll be one of the best players in the league next year along with Moldenauer um, and Jack Harvey who could go in this draft as well you know it's 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 interesting you know the the USHL Chicago Steel the path of development is so important because you're like you said you're taking kids in drafts at you know 14 15 years mm-hmm. old players at 16 and, and you see them you know progress into draft eligible prospects and then from there it's on to you know the teams that draft them and whatnot or colleges um what what is your kind of take on the patience needed in in development because you're for so long a lot of top draft picks are you know 18 years old 19 years old jumping right into the nhl and then in chicago here we have kirby doc who was third overall pick 18 years old you know had a a pretty Mm -hmm. good rookie season but since then, everything has kind of been derailed or stalled, and people are starting to get yeah. impatient with him. What is the, the role of development through the years, and, and you know, what do you see as being one of the most important things to, to have in that, in that path? Patience is huge. I think it all depends on the player, right, where they're at physically, um, where the organization is at, um, as far as the NHL team. But like I, for, for us, like we look at a guy – I'll use Nick Moldenauer again. He's going to be a high draft pick, you know, second, late first round, second, third round draft picks. So those guys are high, high picks. He's going to come back and play for us because it's right for him to, to dominate a league. Do you know what I mean? And then go to college and then play pro. A guy like Jackson Blake, fourth round pick that played for us last season, um, led our team in scoring. He's just physically not there. You know, he's a, he might be one of the most talented players we've ever had. And I, almost guarantee he plays in Carolina but it's going to be he played another year with us he's going to play at North Dakota for two three years then play pro and then he's going to be there physically it just depends on where a person is and I I feel like you know if an organization you you invest in somebody you believe in somebody um, you you have to have that patience you know and you have to put the right pieces around them as far as the right development coaches the right coaching staff the right strength coaches and make sure it's the right person but you can't rush those things. I think that's how you can break a player. You know what I mean? Um, you need to be there to support them. And at least, with like, especially at our level, that's what we're trying to do is set our guys up so they have the tools to be successful when they leave us. 
Yeah, the, the balance of development and winning has to be a challenge, and mm-hmm. you guys are doing a great job of doing both. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, I've sung the praise of the Steel game as many times, but, you know, if, if someone's on the fence about going to see a game next year, what would you tell them? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's extremely high-level hockey. Like, obviously, we're, we're, not, we're not the Hawks. We're not even the Wolves, but we, we have, might have more first-round draft picks playing in the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're just younger. Yeah, right? Right. Like, we'll have Macklin Celebrini and Michael Haig, uh, two 2006 tenders for us playing for us next year as 16-year-olds. Celebrini is a first-round pick in the WHL. Michael Haig would have been a top three, but he tendered with us. He's ninth in the OHL. Like, these kids are – they were at our camp. I, I was so impressed. Like, like we're, I knew what the type of kids we're getting and how talented they are. But you're talking about two of the best North American 06 birth year players um, in, in our backyard, not to mention the guys that are going to be drafted that we already talked about, or Jaden Perron that's a first-round talent. And then our style of play, like, we like to score goals. So um, we score a lot of goals. I think we've averaged the most goals in the league the last three years. Um, two years ago, we were almost scoring five goals a game. So um, it's a lot of fun. They are young, so they're going to make mistakes. It's a, it's a different brand of hockey, but it's, the skill set is absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, if you have young kids, I'm sure they would enjoy it. Well, I think it's a, it's a perfect time for Blackhawk fans to jump on and, and start paying more attention to steel as the Blackhawks are – just in the beginning of tearing it down and starting over, mm-hmm. I think Blackhawk fans are going to be looking to the future more than they ever have been before mm-hmm. in the last 12 years. Now is the perfect time to go take the short drive out to Geneva. You guys got a new restaurant there yeah, at the yeah. arena. Grab a meal, see some future NHL players, hopefully yeah. some future Blackhawks. Yeah. And just it's a it's a great family experience. You know, it's you, it's affordable. Bring the kids. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a great time. I recommend it to anybody who who wants to check out some some and it, and it's great hockey. Don't go in there thinking you're going to see the NHL, yeah. but just know you're going to see some uh, future NHL talent on both sides of the ice. It's it's a great time. Honestly, when I went to the first time, I was stunned. I was like, "This is awesome. <laughs> this is great." Like the hockey was great. It was fast paced, high scoring, without it being like uh, you know. I think there there are slow low leagues that make it kind of gimmicky. This is just flat-out awesome hockey from really young players with bright futures. Uh, to me, it is the best minor league ticket in town. No doubt. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to have to have a CHGO night there. Hell yes, we should. <laughs> I like yes. that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That would be a lot of fun. I wonder if I know a guy over there that can make that happen. <laughs> well, Brock, we want to thank you for coming by. Uh, Dan Batch, who's off camera. You want to come around and say wave? No. Um, <laughs> thanks for bringing uh, Brock in here. We love that we've established this relationship with you guys, and let's keep it going. And uh, hopefully 2023. Adam Fantilli, Chicago Blackhawk, that would be fantastic. That would be nice. nice. Yeah, maybe Jaden Perron late round. That would be unbelievable. Sure, sure. We did check, by the way. <laughs> he is not yeah. related to David Perron. So we'll allow it. So we will allow it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Brock, that thanks works. so much for coming on. Thank you. We hope everybody enjoyed that interview and just want to remind you that the best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use the code CHGO when you sign up. Do that right now, and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. Make a $50 or more first-time deposit, and you'll receive a free CHGO membership. That unlocks all of our great web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. So, recapping, $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all that for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. It's your home for live in-play betting. 
You see an edge in the game you're watching? Is your favorite team primed for a comeback? Don't just watch the game. Bet along with it live. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Follow along with your bets the moment they hit and stay in the live action all game long. And remember, you can download that points bet app right now from start to finish and use that code CHGO when you do. So what are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. A little tip. I put it on the Discord yesterday uh, on our CHGO Discord uh, Logan Cooley, who Chris Peters liked as the number one overall pick, uh, was plus 900 to go first overall in the draft. So you got a couple extra uh, bucks laying around. Take that bet. I Not a say. bad bet. Good value. Put a, put, a, put a few units on that bet because Bob McKenzie's uh, prospect rankings came out and Shane Wright was not number one. So, yeah, I think a lot of people to, to – I think Greg's made the point a few times. People are talking themselves out of Shane Wright and the – First, uh, first overall pick is not as slam dunk as we uh, we might think. Yeah, it um, Mackenzie liked um, Yuri Slavkovsky. Right? Yeah. yeah, so that's something uh, to keep an eye on. But I saw those odds, and and who knows if they've moved since I placed the wager myself <laughs> yesterday. But uh, very, very pleased with that one. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I mean, we you know we're gonna have our our draft show on Thursday night, and uh, I a few weeks ago I was thinking, wow, this first few picks will be pretty predictable, and now it's just like. It's opening up. It's kind of fun to have a draft where you don't know who's going number one. We yeah. haven't had one of those in forever. Right. Yeah, a few, few seasons. So it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, we thought that was all said and done at Shane Wright, but now who knows? Hey, yeah. I mean, last week, the NBA draft, uh, people made a lot of money on Paolo Banchero going first overall because his, his odds went crazy. Like, he was up 25 to 1 at one point to go number one overall. Yeah. And so betters were kind of just not hammering it, but like – Hammering it. Starting to, yeah. And, you know, Woj had a tweet that went one way in the morning, and then the lines went crazy, and then... <laughs> so, yeah, people wow. made some money, including Jake Flanagan, our uh, GM. Hey, there you, you go. Know, a little, really, little $6 points bet bet made $115 for him. Wow. Imagine nice. having the influence of Woj, where you just, like, tweet yeah. something somewhat vague, and it moves the <laughs> lines on the draft. Imagine when you're wrong. And you know? then, yeah, being wrong. Pretty rare though with that guy. It's quite the roller coaster. I'm sure that makes the uh, the the stomach churn. I'm a Shams guy myself. Ah, you know Shams. Mario knows what I'm if talking. If you're about. Uh, yeah, so if you're if you're placing some wagers on who's going to be selected in what position, um, you know you're you're going to need a, a, a strong stomach to uh, to have those uh, those bets out there and to help you with that. Get yourself some Athletic Greens and their AG1 formula designed to improve your gut health, optimize your immune system, and give you more natural energy. In just one scoop of AG1, you absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and they help you start your day right. If you have different dietary restrictions, whatever they might be, dairy-free, gluten-free, keto, paleo, whatever it is with AG1, you're good to go. It's easy to incorporate into your life no matter how busy you might be. It's just a small once-a-day habit with big benefits. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you have 
All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks. That is athleticgreens.com slash CHGO Blackhawks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Luke Richardson is still the Blackhawks head coach. Yes, 24 hours later. He will be introduced <laughs> to the media tomorrow, Wednesday, at Hawk Quarters. Nope, not Hawk Quarters. The Blackhawk store. Sorry. <laughs> the Blackhawk store. Old, Hawk Quarters is such a better name. I'm sorry. 1999 call, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm with you, Jay. I like Hawk Quarters. That, why would you change it to yeah, Hawk? should have had it at Gunzo's. I know the Blackhawk store tells you a little more what it is, but Hawk Quarters, that's a great name. Anyway, uh, so that's at 11 tomorrow. That's we'll be on the sure. air. Uh, here live at 2 p.m. after the three of us are at the Blackhawk store uh, and getting to ask some questions. We'll let you know if the Alex DeBrinkett jerseys are in clearance. We will break the news that he (laughs) will be traded. We'll we'll take a look at the clearance rack and see who's there. We'll we'll jump on points bet first. Then we'll let you know because we don't want to move the line too much. Right, yeah. Um, So I guess the question is... the the, uh, lines there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, What are we looking forward to hearing from Luke Richardson? What do you you guys want to hear? What do you hope the message is? Um, you know, when the presser begins tomorrow, uh, I know we don't want to hear a bunch of cliches and, and I know from all reports, Luke is a pretty thoughtful and, uh, you know, a well-spoken guy. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. What do you guys want to hear from the new Hawks head coach tomorrow? I think we got a little bit of a taste of it in the press release from Kyle Davidson and from Luke Richardson. Um, kind of just speaking about wanting to build the Blackhawks culture, wanting to, you know, rebuild it basically not only just not only the team and the, and the roster but also the culture around the around the organization um i think we're going to hear a lot about that whether it's cliche or not i it'll probably sound a little cliche mm. but it is coming from this team needed a culture change um so i think we're going to hear a lot about that and i'm i'm looking forward to see if they can articulate a little bit more of what the change of culture can be what the you know having the right people, quote-unquote, doing things the right way, quote-unquote. I'd like to hear a little bit more of an articulation of what they, what they want to do. And I think Richardson, in his, in his press release statement, said something to the effect of, like, I want to have trust with my players and have that be kind of like a, a two-way street and, and because trust with the players, trust with the organization, it all comes down to, you know, more open and honest communication. And I think that that's something that, the, the team will really benefit from. And from all accounts, it seems like that's something he can bring. I want to hear specifics. Uh, I know he's had the job for 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. At the, so I'm sure he's can't get too specific. But as far as we know, when this team is back in the playoffs, there are very few guys, if any, that are going to be on this year's roster that is going to be on that roster. The majority of that roster hasn't even been drafted yet. Potentially, yeah. But I want to know, is there a specific prospect or prospects that he has access to starting now that he says, yes, I can make that guy an NHL player. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm what's missing. I can take Kirby Doc to that next level. Or all those young defensemen. Hey, Nicholas Bodine has struggled the last two years. He's still a first-round talent. I can make him reach his potential and then some and make him – worthy of that first round pick i want to hear specifics about you know what players he's looking forward to working with and getting to that next level and how he's going to do that how he's going to accomplish that um you know i think he realizes he's got 
a lot of work ahead of him. But everything you hear out of Montreal, or Saba told us about it, there's been a lot of re- you know a lot of stuff written about him the last couple of days. The young players love playing for him, as well as the veterans. And I want to hear more about what makes him the right coach to develop these young players. I like that, and I think specifics are really kind of tough to to have a coach get to. So the fact that we're there can be good when we can ask about specific players. You got it all depends on how the thing goes, and he might he might say we're off the hop. Like, look, I haven't really had a chance to really dive into the roster yet, but I would like to hear. Like, hey, Luke, like I'm going to go down a list of players. Who do yeah. you think well, is I, here? I just think, who you know, stays? Who goes? Because something about <laughs> this attracted him to the job. Because look, like oh, yeah, Luke absolutely. Richardson, if he wait, wanted to wait a year, right? And Montreal's probably going to bounce back a little bit from this season. They had so many injuries and so many things go wrong. Um, they're going to be a little bit better next year. That he's still going to be a candidate for somebody next year. So there was something about this program that attracted him. Aside from I get to be an NHL head coach, right? Right. He had to look at the situation and say, "This is a thing. It's going to be tough, but I can see myself succeeding." Right. So I want to know what did he see specifically? Maybe it wouldn't even be a player or a list of players, but. Maybe it's the ownership environment. Maybe it's the GMs and and the staff around that. Who knows? That's what I want to know. What you take a look at the Chicago Blackhawks as they stand today and where they could potentially stand a year from now with Kane and Taves gone and potentially Debrinka traded and yada yada yada. What made this appealing specifically? Yeah, I you know the the idea that if he didn't get this head coaching job, he would have gone back to Montreal. Um, cause he wasn't really tied to any other right. head coaching vacancies. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really good, um, way to look at it. Like what about Chicago made it so intriguing that he would leave a position that, you know, he had some, some comfort in, he had some time put in, in, in Montreal and, um, could have, you know, uh, the Canadians are one of the top marketing marketed teams across the league, especially being, you know, an original six team in Canada, like eyes are going to be on you so if if, if they if, if he had had any success going back to Montreal in, in his assistance role next year he would have had probably a, a bigger selection of head coaching opportunities to your point but yeah there there could be something about the Blackhawks and maybe just the opportunity to really put his full stamp on a rebuilding process as a head coach um, that that intrigued him but yeah I think getting into that would be interesting to hear I think there's not going to be a ton of pressure right off the bat. That's no. got to be yeah. appealing too, especially coming from a place like Montreal where it is not like it is here when it comes to Blackhawks. He's going to be like refreshed to go. Like, even if, even wow, if there's only four guys here from my, my conference, my press <laughs> conference, we're in Montreal. There'd be 40 different reporters there. Yeah. And then, and you know, it would be a two hour process. You know, the pressure to win is not going to be here right away. Even if, Canadian teams are bad. They're expected to win. Right. So, yeah, here in Chicago, it's... That's got to be... Different. Attractive to know that, hey, I can come in here and and there's no expectations to win year one, year two, maybe not even year three. So he gets to grow and develop as a head coach, too, along with these players. Yeah. And if he's a guy that can come into, you know, an original six franchise, a team that has had a lot of success recently... A lot more recent success than the Montreal Canadiens have had. And he can get this team back to that level. I mean, that just that makes his career. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about retreads all the time, mm-hmm. but this guy comes in here and in six, seven, eight years, he wins the Stanley Cup. He's got a job for life. He'll be yep. that guy that gets fired and hired every two years, <laughs> but at least he'll have that. Like, so that's got to yeah. be, you know, that's a legacy builder to come here Definitely. to a team like this. You go to a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets who are rebuilding. Eh, it doesn't hold the same weight. No offense to Columbus or, you know, the Arizona Coyotes. Sure, you get the Arizona Coyotes of respectability in the playoffs. You've accomplished yeah, something major. Definitely. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't hold the same weight as getting the Chicago Blackhawks back yeah. to Stanley Cup contention. So that that those are probably my guesses are some of the reasons that, you know, attracted him to this job and and, and the pizza. Obviously the pizza. <laughs> well, that's a given. It, it's, it'll, it'll be interesting, too. Like, he saw – a new coach come in last year in Martin St. Louis in Montreal and just inject life immediately into the team. And things got better and certain players got better. Cole Caulfield, I think, is the greatest example of a guy who was lost yeah. underneath Ducharme and then St. Louis arrives and it's a different guy. And and what did, what did he take away, right? And look at the names he's worked for. You know, he's worked underneath a lot of NHL head coaches, some of those journeymen, some of those retreads right. uh, that are around forever. And there's a reason because they're competent head coaches. I like to know what he sort of took away from that. And I I also want to know, like, what is his – I know style is very vague, but a lot of the stuff we've read about him since the hire was made is he's very calm. He's kind of measured in his comments. He's not a real hothead I wonder if he feels like he has to adapt that a little bit to be a head coach. I don't know. Maybe the answer is no. And I think if I was asked that question, I would say, I'm going to do what got me here. Right. Right. And just be the same guy. And like Derek King said, there's a lot more that goes with being a head coach than being an assistant or the Rockford head coach or whatever. And that will come in time. But um, I'm just interested, like, if he, if he plans on changing his style a little bit because he's a head coach. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if that's, if that's part of his – his process, his mindset. I think to that point of like doing what got what got him here. You know, if all the reviews that he's had as a head coach in the AHL and an assistant in the NHL for for many seasons, and the kind of person he was as a player, um, you know, a lot of people around the league have said you know he was a beloved teammate wherever he was. Um, I don't, you know, I I think if 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 he can translate that in a head coaching role. I think that's kind of what the Blackhawks need. They need someone who, you know, can can bring along the team with them and not, you know, you don't need a, a hard-ass coach to beat down on kids just because they're not developing the way that, you know, we just talked with, with, with Brock Sheehan about the development and the patience. Like, mm-hmm. I think you need a, a coach who's going to be able to say, like, hey, this is a, a long-term process of us getting better, of, of, of you getting better. Kirby Doc, of you getting better, Lucas Reichel, like like being able to focus on those players and focus on that development in the long term because like you know like we saw with with Colorado Avalanche, like yeah they had some some high picks, some first overall picks, but a lot of those players had to like come along and and develop and become superstars in the NHL to one day make long playoff runs and eventually win a Stanley Cup. If he can do that, if he can be that presence as he is now, then that's I, I, that's what got him here, and that's and that's great. I think that's what exactly what the team needs. And uh, AJ asked in the in the chat, uh, the hardest hitting question: Does Richardson plan on growing a mustache? 
I don't know if we'll be able to get that one out mm. tomorrow. <laughs> That'll be when he's here with us. Someday. We're hopeful that we're gonna have him in that chair at some point, and and we will we will educate him on the legend and the myth of the mustache here in Chicago. You have to have one to win. To have one, right? I mean, Jeremy Colleton, no mustache, no cups. <laughs> I don't even know if Jeremy Collins can grow a mustache. I don't He's, think so. I don't think he, so. Had, he had facial hair stubble. Yeah, he did I thought, do I thought I he just remember, drank a big but. glass of chocolate milk and didn't wipe his face before he <laughs> got on the bench. Um, yeah, we will, we will, at some point, we will let Luke Richardson know about the, the, the magical powers of the mustache here in Chicago. Yeah. By the way, Greg, you mentioned expectations, and it kind of led me into a, a nice little reference of the poll we ran after the hire was announced, not officially announced, when we found out about it on Friday. Uh, do you like the hire? 82.2% of Blackhawks fans say yes. So on Twitter, that's basically 100%. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot higher than I ever would have thought. Yeah. Yeah, right. You know, part of the fun of being on Twitter is to just take a crap on everything Yes. people do but well, i think people are ready for a change yeah and i and i think there's not a lot unknown or there's not a lot of let me rephrase that there's not a lot known about him so it's kind of like you're kind of op, you're just kind of forced into some optimis, yeah, optimism there's some intrigue there as well yeah it's, there's never being intrigued heading into a season knowing it's going to be bad it's a good thing get a little buzz going where the, the product on the ice isn't going to be the one generating the buzz per se. If the Blackhawks had gone out and got someone like Tortorella or Barry Trotz or something, there would have been so much more to know to yeah. be like, ah, not going to work or we love it. Like yeah. with, with Richardson, it's, it's kind of just like, you know what? It's something new. Someone from outside the organization never, never played for Chicago, never, you know, had any, any ties to the organization. And, coming in fresh and, and so far has positive reviews. So, And I think the way sports fans are is they make their initial decision and then you have to convince them otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can look at the Bears quarterbacks in a very interesting way. Everybody was very excited about Justin Fields, so he will get a longer leash than Mitch Trubisky got because people did not yeah. like it. So Mitch had yeah. to prove he was good. Fields has to prove he was bad. If the Hawks had hired John Tortorella, I think you'd have a majority of the fan base unhappy with that. And it would be up to Tortorella to, to prove Hawks fans wrong, right, and say I was the right hire. I think Richardson is in the Justin Fields boat where fans are excited yeah. about him. They like the hire. They're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, so he probably gets another year, year and a half before people start to get really, really, really critical about it. And, and I think him yeah. coming from outside the organization favors that as well. People are ready for something different. Yes. Derek King, say what you want about his coaching style, his performance. He was still an internal guy. He'd been around for the last four or five seasons. This is somebody coming in from a different organization. It's a fresh set of eyes. It's mm-hmm. a fresh set of ideas. It's something different. And Blackhawk fans are ready for something different. We need it. Um, and and Region Rev, one of our top top fans, asked if, if we have a jar for mentioning Jeremy Collinson. We don't. We <laughs> no. just have the jar for uh, – we have you to throw a dollar for uh, – it's mostly Jay's money in there. Why <laughs> not for uh, mentioning he who shall not be named's name. The reason we have that is because – so because many people sucks. just continue to bitch about he who shall not be named, and he's gone. We don't. There's not much of the JC bitching because JC's connected to he who shall not be named. Right. I blame he who shall not be named, not JC. 
And I think JC's damage is done, and and he can't hurt us anymore. Right. I love how he's become JC in like yeah, five seconds. Yeah, what just happened? Whereas, whereas, <laughs> that's uh, great. Yeah, I'm just going off the. Yeah, off the no, that's good. Whereas, Sam, God bless it. it there it is. <laughs> She's back in the jail. That, that was about forty cents worth of. It. <laughs> he already is hurting us from beyond the grave, uh, even though he's not dead. But you know what I mean. Like just the damage that he has left behind. Will be uh, you mentioned the hoarders reference yesterday, Mario. It's like they're gonna be scrubbing those walls for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, my hope is that by the time we get to this, <laughs> just the start. There Dollar you go. Jar. Um, by the time we get to the start of this upcoming season, that notion—it's never gonna go away. But that notion of like the prior regime screwed the organization we know can this. can start to be fade to the background because the attention can now be moving forward with Kyle Davidson with Luke Richardson have a, having a clearer picture of what the rebuild is going to be and 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 stepping forward it's it's never going to go away people are always yeah. you know people are always going to say that the organization was set back into this rebuild um, should already be you know yeah. a few seasons into a rebuild um, but my hope is that, you know, the hiring of, of Davidson, the hiring of Richardson, and and getting through the draft and free agency, by the time we start next season, hopefully this jar can be put on the shelf and well, we don't yeah, need to worry about it anymore. There'll be no reason to really complain much anymore. We do know um, we do know that, yes, he who shall not be named screwed this franchise for a long time mm-hmm. for, with, for many reasons. We know all these reasons. We don't need to keep bringing it up. That's my biggest pet mm-hmm. peeve. We know we know, and he's gone. He's gone. Right. We're trying. To, Kyle Davidson is trying to fix that. So you're, you, that's a great point. Once this season starts and we start seeing Davidson's vision start to get played out in its infancy, we can start to get excited about other things. Mm-hmm. It is there is no doubt in my mind. It is pretty stinking obvious that Kyle Davidson is trying to erase the previous regime one piece at a time. Clean up duty. He wants yep. nothing to do with that. Uh, be it getting rid of scouts, front office personnel, players that were drafted by him, coaches that were brought in by him. Brought he, back Norm McIver. Yeah, if you want who was famously this, not yeah. one of his guys. Yeah. Um, so he is trying to basically be like, oh, you're associated with that guy. Get out. And uh, <laughs> I'm okay with that. That's yeah. like scorched earth. Kyle Davidson is my favorite version of Kyle Davidson so far. Bring it on. We need it. Yeah. This this franchise needs it. I think he's going to impress a lot of people in his press conference tomorrow, too. All right, um, I got something for AJ. Oh, what do you got? All right, so uh, he asked about the uh, mustache thing. So <laughs> so there's current Luke Richardson. Ruggedly right. handsome. Yeah, he, yeah, he looks handsome. all right. You know, he might 500 record in year three. Who knows? However... What if? Oh, there it is. That's almost too good. There you go. There's a Stanley Cup winner right there. That's, that is. That's conference finals or bust in year four. Yeah, right there. and and for those of you listening on the podcast, I've just taken Mike Ditka's mustache and put it on top. That of is fantastic. That is, that is a Chicago mustache, that is my a friend. Chicago state. That is a Stanley Cup winning mustache. Could be. That is uh, he's, he's absolutely got, fantastic. He had he had jardinier juice in that mustache. <laughs> I could smell oh, it all the way over here. Have you been watching The Bear on FX slash Hulu? The Bear. Oh, yeah, we're gonna gosh. have to get in on Very that. Very good show. Yeah. Big fan. Um, and if speaking, so of speaking, of, speaking of The Bear, Alex DeBrincat was doing a ton of publicity right. for I The Bear that. with uh, I think it was with Whistle Sports, 
ton of publicity and i com- that completely went over uh over my head under my radar whatever you want to call it go, oh well here he is telling us to what the best spots to go in the city that he's about to have to move from <laughs> <laughs> well i i just i don't know i just found it interesting that you know with the bear which if you're not familiar it's a chicago-based uh show that you can find on hulu uh, it's about um the guy from the, the kid from shameless from running a beef joint um it's a, it's it's a really good show, but yeah, Debrinket was really pumping it up, uh, you know, pumping out Chicago, and I don't know, is is Debrinket on it? Because I've only no. through episode four. Now I'm only through the first three, so I haven't. I don't think okay. he is. Because I mean, well, Lynn Bramer, it's your sh- best friend in the world of XRT. It's a show about Italian beef. In I'm in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, and th- that so conversation off the show yesterday inspired me to go get some Italian beef. Yeah. There you go. It was very good. By the way, Region Rev, I lost it, Rev. I'm sorry, but you pointed out how good. The interview with Laura Saba was uh, profiling Luke Richardson. Uh, I have lost that tweet, but I will pin it to the CHGO Blackhawks <laughs> Twitter account when I find it. Well, she uh, said it here in the chat. Definitely, too. definitely worth going back yes. and watching was, that uh, video. Yeah. Two Mondays ago, was it? I believe so, yes. It was, it yeah. was uh, June 13th. June 13th. The guy who posted that video on our YouTube page. Uh, Thank just you. Go June back 13th. into the June 13th feels like YouTube a year channel ago. Or go yeah. back uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your right. podcasts. Bring up that June 13th episode and, and listen to Laura Saba. She was the first to really give us some info on Luke Richardson. It was wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's well, pretty much after talking to her, I was like, okay, let's hire this guy. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and then Kyle Davison watched it and said, yeah, I'll, I'll hire that guy. <laughs> there you go. So we can thank Laura Sava yeah, for getting good. Luke in Chicago. We'll, we'll point that out to him tomorrow, too. Well, we want to remind everybody, too, go back and listen to all the old podcasts. Listen to them over and over again if you can. Uh, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> Just fall asleep with them playing. Just put it on loop. Yeah. That would be fantastic. We'll do but an ASMR episode one, one An day. easier way to help us <laughs> is Those to shows. download that PointsBet app and use the code CHGO when you do. Not only will you get those two risk-free bets, up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our great web content, and even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. And if you missed it, online sign-up is available now in Illinois. You can actually download the app right now, start to finish. No need to go to the sports book and get on their Wi-Fi and all that rigmarole. Start to finish <laughs> from your couch in the nude, whatever you want to do. Hey-o. You'll be signing up with the, the fastest sports book, easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in literal seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Fellas, before we wrap up, we have several new Hall of Famers. Yes. Six, in fact. Roberto Luongo. Daniel Sedin, Henrik Sedin, Daniel Alfredson, Rika Salonen, and Herb Carnegie. And my computer must be broken because I don't see Steve Larmer's name on that mm. list. What? It's getting harder and harder for guys like him. With all these great players that are becoming, becoming eligible, eligible and beginning yeah. in on first ballot. And I'm not saying Roberto Luongo and the Sedins aren't worthy of first ballots. They are. Um, you know, And Daniel Alfredson, completely worthy. But guys like Steve Larmer, guys like Alex McGinley, guys like Bernie Nichols. How is Bernie Nichols not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Yeah. Uh, over a point per game average over 1,100 I love games. Bernie Nichols. Good old number 92. Jeremy Rowe, Tom Barrasso is another guy that probably, if Grant Fuhrer is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, Tom Barrasso needs to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's going to get harder and harder for those guys as more of these great players get in right away. Um, they need to have. Is there a veterans committee like in baseball for the? There hockey absolutely hockey? should be. There should. There should be. Like there's there's a lot of guys out there that 
that deserve that honor. And they deserve that honor while they're still here. You know, there's a lot of guys that get put in, you know, 10, 20 years after they've passed away and they don't get to deserve that honor. So um, I'm not bashing this class. It's a great class. I love my Swedish hockey players. But, um, yeah, we need to start getting some of these guys that were studs in the 80s and 90s in there before we start getting guys that were great in 2010. And. You know, this is the, the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the NHL Hall of Fame. And, and I think one of the storylines that came out of this class was that, you know, there's, there's two slots that can be filled in each Hall, hall of Fame class uh, for players from, you know, women's players. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the, the, the biggest snub that I was seeing um, that I read up a, a little bit about was Caroline Ouellette. And... Someone who has the that those someone who has that kind of resume, and is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and and there's tons of of great women's players that are just uh, underrepresented. Um, I think is something that the, I think I, I think the Hockey Hall of Fame needs to do a better job of getting that represented because there's so many good players. Like we're, like we're talking about like Jeremy Roenick, Steve Larmer, Alex McGillney, like all these great players that haven't been you know, in it from the NHL, there's so many women's players that, that have more distinguished careers, you know, when you go pound for pound on it, that have no representation for it. So I, I, I think that that is something that the, the Hockey Hall of Fame needs to look at moving forward. I don't know. There just shouldn't be a limit. Exactly. Just, if someone's a Hall of Famer, bring them in. Put them in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. That's frustrating. Sure. Anyway, tomorrow's the big day. We get to talk to Luke Richardson. We get to see him in person, see if he's grown a mustache over the last few <laughs> days uh, and uh, get some questions asked. So uh, that happens at 11. I believe the Hawks are live streaming that. Yes. Um, so that should be very easy to find on their website. Then we'll be live at 2 p.m. tomorrow, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Join us live on YouTube. And, of course, the podcast will be up uh, usually around 3.30 or so um, The the you know when we're done. So more Luke Richardson coverage to come. We've got more draft stuff, lots of other stuff coming up during the week, but we appreciate you being with us uh, on this episode of the podcast. We want to thank Brock Sheehan for coming by and the Chicago Seals, Dan Vatch, for making that happen. Lawrence for producing the show. Reminder, we're presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. For Greg and Mario, I'm Jay. This has been the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.